Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murrow sitting in for Jess Romero. Father, thanks again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to, I say this, to teach people about the meaning and purpose of life. Thank you so much. Well, Terry, that's where we have time. <laughs> you got it? That's I, what time is for. Exactly. <laughs> that's the deal. And, right? and Father, today we're going to do what Fulton Sheen asked all of us lay people to do, and I think in a certain extent priests too, brother priests out of, out of charity, and that is to call priests, bishops, the Pope, everyone to live a holy life and a life that confirms us in our faith. So he says, priests be holy, should be holy. Sisters should be holy. Live their vocation according to what the church teaches, not your personal opinion. And I think that's been one of our problems. As Father Murray, I don't care about your personal opinion. When it comes to salvation, tell me what the church teaches. Nothing more, nothing less. That's the deal. Okay. That's the deal. You hit it right on the head. All right. Well, we're going to get into uh, the Father um, Father Mur Murray, who's a wonderful priest that you know from the Diocese of New York. He says that the Vatican's persecution of the Latin mask is damaging the church. And I agree with him. And we're going to talk about that. Also, another outspoken cardinal. I keep thinking of Akita. Our Lady, in 1973, saying cardinals will be going after cardinals, bishops will be arguing. That's what's going on right now. Cardinal Mueller says Pope Francis revoked penalties on abusive priests at the request of cardinals. That sounds like a, a, a boys' club where, you know, it's who you know. So let's find out what's going on with that. It's really sad, but this is the time to pray for our leaders in our church because, as Our Lady said, I say this at the end of every show, souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. Well, right now, let's every Thursday night here at our chapel, we pray for priests for a couple hours on our knees because we know priests, bishops, and the Pope need our prayers because this is a time of life right now that we're living in where there's too much confusion. But before we get to all of that, Father, and I have a good-to-know file. Yeah, let me get the good-to-know file, and then we'll get our good news of the gospel. Are you ready for this, Father? I hope you're sitting down. Vatican officials at the newspaper, Observatory Romano. This is the official, you know, semi-official, I should say. I'm, I'm, re I'm ready. I'm All right. ready. I'm seated. They're promoting a call to fast from sin, no, from fossil fuels during Lent. Okay, I, I, did I say that right? Vatican official newspaper promotes call to fast from fossil fuels during Lent. Observatory model interview. Now, Father, I always thought that Lent had a time to deal with our souls for the edificacy of our salvation, not so much with this world. Am I missing something? I mean, that's all. I got to tell you. I got to. I got to tell you something, Terry. Yeah. I've got to tell you yeah. something. Usually, about once every about once every month, I say to myself, "Now I've heard it all." <laughs> that's too much. Well, and this is one of those moments. Yeah. Well, I got to give you good news because this is great hope for me. And I think you and I talked about this. The African bishops are marking the beginning of Lent, not with fossil food, but no, but with a call to fight the LGBT propaganda of homosexuality. That's my hope for the church right now. The Africans, they seem to get it right, Father. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, this is this is a. You know, we've we've often looked for the the, the future of the church. Yeah. In Africa, Asia, and Latin America. Unfortunately, Latin America, to a great degree, is being lost. We're losing the church in Latin America. Yeah, we are. Protestants are. Yeah, this is it's it's very sad. It's very sad. But uh, 
they've let they've let uh, in the name of ecumenism, yeah, and in the and in the name of ignorance, yeah. because people don't know their own Catholic faith because it hasn't been taught for about fifty years. Yep, uh, we're losing Latin America. However, Africa, do you remember what Fulton Sheen? Fulton Sheen, our great Fulton Sheen, yeah. put it very well. He was talking about Russia. And, and I remember a couple times when he was talking about uh, stories from Russia, he would say, what a great soul that nation has for our <laughs> Lord. Right? Remember that? Yes, I well, do. But I forgot until you this, mentioned it. This, this is how I, 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 I'm sure he would say the same thing today about Africa. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, One more good to know. And just in, in Uganda. Yes. In Uganda, you know. The, the St. Charles oh. and the 40 Martyrs oh, of, of Uganda. Great story. Uh, you know, come on. This is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And you want these people to accept? Uh, it doesn't work uh, that uh, way, folks. Yep. Uh, gay marriage. No, not going to work. Exactly. And my other good to know file is this. Just transgender hormones linked to substantially higher risk of heart attack, stroke, and study. There's six times more risk of heart attacks. We know that when you mess with Mother Nature... You know, it's not a good thing. And do you remember Monsignor William Smith? I think he said it this way. God will forgive, but nature rarely forgives. How's that? How's the saying, Father? Right. Yes, 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 that's right. Yeah, that was it. God will, God will forgive. Nature does not. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, right. let's get to our gospel, which is the gospel of Matthew 23, verse 1 to 12. And I thought... Uh, if you don't have it, do you have it in front of you there, Father? I've got it right in front of me. Right, you go I, 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 I'm learning how to use one of these newfangled things. <laughs> iPhone or something. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Shall we? Yes. Dominus vobisco et cum spiritu tuo. Lexio. Sancti Evangelii secundum Matthew. Gloria tibi domine. In your prayers, do not babble as the Gentiles do. For they think that by using many words, they will make themselves heard. Do not be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. So you should pray like this. Our father in heaven, may your name be held holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those to whom we are in debt, indebted. And do not put us to the test, but save us from the evil one. If you forgive others their failings, your heavenly Father will forgive you yours. If you do not forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your failings either. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. All I'm not too crazy about the I'm not too crazy about the translation. Yeah, oh yeah, very weak. That's that's being nice. Yeah, sorry about that. But yeah. uh but the but the message of the Our Father is 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 so marvelous. Yeah. It's so marvelous. The the the, the, the apostles and in, and in the other gospels say John taught his disciples how to pray. Would you teach us how to pray? Mm. And our Lord says this, and Fulton Sheen was the first one I, I heard make this distinction also. Mm -hmm. Christ never includes himself on a par, even with the first bishops. Wow. Right? Yeah. He says, he says, I pray, I go to 
to my father and your father. Yep. He doesn't say I'm going to our father. Right. And in this prayer, he says, when you pray, you say our father. Right? Yep. When you pray, you say our father. Yep. The thing that always gets me in the our father, and I'll tell let me make a can I make a small confession? Absolutely. All right, you're open for confessions. So yeah. a, a come, a come to Jesus moment. I just can't absolve right? you. That's all. Go ahead. <laughs> there was there was a time in my life, and I'm talking about as, as in my priestly yes. life also. Yes. That I could, I had a very hard time forgiving. Yeah. Forgiving someone in particular who hurt you. Yeah, got it. Really bad, really bad. And I would say the Our Father in Mass, and when we got to the line. Forgive us our trespasses. I would not say as we forgive those who for trespass oh against us. Because well, I couldn't. You're human. Yeah. Because I couldn't. Yeah. I was realizing what I was saying. Yep. That's a contract you're making to, with, sure. with God. You're saying, you know, as I forgive or as I do not forgive, treat me the same way. Well, I wasn't about to say to, to make that deal. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. finally, finally that, that forgiveness came. And this is this is you know for our for our listeners yes and viewers this is what most distinguishes the christian from any other religion in the world yep is the fact of is the fact of forgiveness that's right muslims don't do it jews don't do it nope you're right no no you're this right. is this is really ours and our lord says it's not only important it is fundamental it's fundamental for your own forgiveness that you forgive amen all right fair Strong enough deal fair enough Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now, Archbishop Sheen. We keep talking about him. Full Sheen ahead. I always like to have a special guest with Bishop Sheen because I believe that he is in heaven, and I think he will be canonized someday, maybe not in my lifetime, but maybe in the next pontificate that we'll have. All right. He's having a conversation with our good friend, Bishop Joseph Strickland, Tyler Diocese. Bishop Strickland says this to the bishop, to Archbishop Sheen. It sounds like Bishop Sheen would say this today. He said, a church, our church is being pushed where repentance is not necessary and simply being blanketed by God's love is all that matters. This kind of church is irrelevant and meaningless. That's what Bishop Sheen would have said. This is Strickland. Sure. He says, why bother? I'll follow Jesus who says, repent and believe in the gospel. We have two churches, really, uh, thoughts right now. We have one church that is so focused on this world that Strickland, not being that way, says, you know what? That's, it's, we're irrelevant to the church right now. A church that's being pushed to re, where repentance is not necessary, where you don't have to have forgiveness to get absolved in the confessional. No, that's not the Catholic church. All right, I said it. When we come back, we'll talk about my Father Charles Murr. Uh, excuse me, Father Murray with Father Charles Murr. The Vatican's persecution of the Latin Mass is damaging the church and much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jesse will be back tomorrow. Father Charles Murr sitting in. Father, before we get to Father um, um, Murray's article, the fact that Bishop Sheen continued to, uh, to preach Christ and him crucified, 
You've heard all of his tapes. You've read about him all of your life. And what Bishop Strickland said, that a church is being punished where repentance is not ne- uh, not necessary and simply being blanketed by God's love is all that matters. He said, this kind of church is irrelevant and meaningless. He said, why bother? Uh, he says, I'm going to follow Jesus who says, repent and believe in the gospel. Now, you're a priest. You've heard thousands of confessions in your priesthood. You know if someone is not re, re, uh, re, is, uh, sorry for their sins, I mean, have you ever had, and I don't say the person, but have you ever had a situation where the person comes in and you can't absolve them because they're not, for, they're not uh, serious about being uh, um, sorry for what they did? Has that happened Unfortunately, to you? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, but aren't you obligated as a priest to implement that unless there's... Um, Ab- absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and I, can't, I can't absolve. No. I cannot absolve that person, and this is when you when you when you really take time out with 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 the penitent mm-hmm. and and explain to him or her what's going on and yep. the need for the need for real repentance. You know, we've got this mentality, me. th- this this silly mentality. We keep hearing it. God loves you just the way you oh, are. Baloney, he loves you too much to keep you. <laughs> Exactly. He loves you too much for that. I finished that when I I shouldn't have said that, but that's what came to my mind. Go ahead. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. He loves you much more than that, for goodness sake. He wants you you to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So, you see, you know, this is what we're saying. Uh, When when uh, when somebody somebody from Rome came out with that, that 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 uh, he actually chastised priests who would withhold uh, absolution. Would withhold absolution because because of uh, yeah somebody wasn't uh, repentant. Well, you have to. You have to Lord. in conscience. I mean, this is you know this is ridiculous. Well, then why even bother going to confession? Exactly. The whole thing is ridiculous. Yeah. We've got we we're way off track. We're way off track, and I can't wait till we get back on track. Oh, and I think we will, Father. It's just a matter of time. We will. We will soon. Oh, yeah. We will soon. Yeah. Now, this Father Gerald Murray, I knew him as a young seminarian and as a priest. You knew him also in early in your life. Uh, Let me just say this, Terry, just real quick, too. My name is Charles Murr. What did I just call Father it? Charles Murray from New York, right? Yeah. I, oh, no. Just sorry. I, Father Jerry I, I, Murray from New York. Sorry. I, but I get confused always for, for Father Jerry Murray. Father Murray is a brilliant <laughs> and very holy and pious and good priest. Canon lawyer. Yes. He's the, he's, he's, he's one the of best. the best. Yeah. He's one of the best priests that, you, that you'd ever meet. I agree. Well, his counterpart. I is like yours truly. Did you know Father Villa? His counterpart? I he, did. Okay. Sure. He was one of the best red priests. De, Des, De, Des Villa was great. Man. How did you, you know everybody I know? He, they both spent sure. my house. Well, we, we, run in, we run in good company. Yeah, though. I guess so. Well, Father Murray uh, denounced the Vatican's crackdown on the Latin Mass in an interview with Raymond Arroyo last Thursday night. So you, people should watch that on, on the EWTN. Uh, he said it's damaging the church and threatening bishops' rights under canon law. What he means by the canon law, I think it's canon 870, uh, 87, excuse me, and that says that, you know, it's kind of a subsidiarity principle that says, hey, the local bishop knows the needs of his children. And I know one bishop who said this, I will remain unnamed, he said, hey, if you got six kids and someone says you can't feed the sixth child, stop it, you're going to say, no way, I'm going to keep feeding them. So I know bishops who are just going to continue to allow the Trinitine Mass because they see the fruit of what's going on 
in their diocese, and the, his job as a spiritual father is to feed them spiritually. So they're going to say, hey, wait a minute. Uh, why, would I, why in the world would I stop this mass where young families are being fed for the last 30 years uh, since exactly. John Paul II? It makes no sense. So I just wanted to uh, ask you, Father Murr, <laughs> your thoughts and the opening statements. I know you've read the article, but it seems to me that we're almost trying to destroy the church from within by any good things that are going on. It's like those are the things that get condemned. Am I onto something? You are, and, and I would go one step further. You want me to go one step uh, further? Of course I do. I would, I, would, I would tell people to pay no heed to that. Okay. To pay no heed to that. I really would. And I would tell our bishops to pay no heed to that. Yeah. Because well, it's, you know, it's look, you've heard this example when you were studying for First Holy Communion, yeah. studying catechism. Yeah, sure. You can pray for everything that's good. You can't pray that God send you a knife so you can kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is crazy, right? Well, you don't pray, you don't pray, for, you don't do what's wrong. And right. you don't pray that what's wrong be, uh, be acceptable. This is wrong. Right. It's simply wrong. Well, you know, I, and I'll just say in our own country, but, you know, the traditional Latin mass, the TLM, in France, this is an example. You're, you know, we're talking about, I think, 4 or 5% of the people of Catholics in France even go to church, but 40% of them are going to a traditional Latin mass. That's right. Now, That's right. There's, does that speak volumes to you? It screams yeah. volumes. Yeah, it's, it's very loud. Better way of yes. saying it. Now, I have a question because— in addition to marginalizing the Latin Mass Catholics, uh, it seems that this is jeopardizing the rights of bishops to be able to, you know, choose for their diocese to do, you know, certain things. As I said, bishops are being deprived of their right in canon law to make pastoral wise and sensitive decisions on how to apply restrictions that, quite frankly, most bishops at this time don't think it's necessary. And so I'm asking you this because... I know St. Thomas talks about an unjust law is not a law at all. And I'm not That's a right. theologian, okay? I'm Joe Sixpack. But it seems to me that this is an unjust law that's coming from Rome. That's just the point that I was trying to make before. That's exactly it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you don't have, as, as a matter of fact, you, not only do you not have to obey an unjust law, you must not. Okay, that's my, and, and I will say this publicly on the air, that our chapel uh, we will offer <clears throat> here in Southern California, <clears throat> if that happens, where our, our Archbishop decides to shut down the Trinitine Mass in certain areas of the Archdiocese and they need a home, we fought, we, because we're a private chapel, we're not a Catholic church, we, we, we work within the limitations of that document uh, so those people can come to our chapel and we will open our doors for that Mass. We'll have it all Whatever way we can do it, we'll do it. Why? Because, you know, if souls are saved, everything is saved. If souls aren't saved, nothing is saved. And so I, I just ask the question, <clears throat> bishops around the country are saying this, okay? Why in the world would I want to evict mass-going Catholics who are young, have children, and are believers? And, and Bishop, uh, Father, I saw a statistic. These people who go to the Latin Mass, there's a survey on Twitter, and you've seen it, I know, we've talked about it, where... Their position, like 99% of the people are thinking that um, contraception is evil, is bad, is intrinsically bad. Uh, that's the Latin Mass course. The people who go to the regular Novus Ordo Mass, about um, 90% say it's okay. 
And it's almost like the opposite direction when it comes to abortion, same-sex marriage, so-called. The traditional Catholics who go to the Latin Mass get it right, and the Novus Ordo Catholics get it wrong. Now, I'm sorry, but that's a, the statistics just don't say it any other way. Terry, it's almost as if you're describing two different religions. I, I, Father, I, sometimes I wonder, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, and I know bishops yeah. have told me this, that they yeah. wonder what those guys actually believe. If they actually are, they're not worshiping the Jesus Christ I know. They're not, uh, they're not worshiping in the perennial teachings of the church. I have no idea what they believe, but it's not what I believe. You know, I, I, I've told you this before, and we've talked privately. Yeah. One of the reasons, one of the reasons that I know I'm following Christ. Yeah. I know it. I know it is because I'm often at odds with his with his will. Yeah. There you go. We, I, I, I want to do this and I know he wants me to do that. Mm -hmm. But I listen and all right, and and he usually wins. I, I try to I try to make him win. Yeah. Right? Yep. Father just, However, no, keep however, mm -hmm. the others, the others on the on the other side. Their their will, whatever they want, is is what Christ wants. Yep. There's never any conflict. Done. I will it's be exact, done. It's, it's exactly what he what they, what they want is what their Christ wants, yep. and it's wrong. Yep. It's wrong. So, Father, in the two minutes that we have left, and then we're going to go to a Cardinal uh, Mueller article. <clears throat> What's the advice right from your mouth? And I know I I don't mean to get you in trouble, but you know what? Both of us are getting. Well, if you look at your birthday. Hey, Terry, Terry, Terry. Yeah. I was born in trouble. <laughs> what are you kidding me? Oh, good. You're, gonna, you're not getting me in trouble. Right. I was well, born I, there. I say that to Bishop Strickland. He always says, don't worry about it. He, says, I, he said the same thing. It's funny. He says, I've been in trouble ever since I was brought to being a, an, a, a bishop. My question to you is for the families, young families. What advice? Would, I mean, we have the Anglican Ordinariate, which is a very traditional mass, no communion in the hand, kneeling down. Um, what advice would you give to families uh, for going to Mass and really um, uh, sharing, you know, the the message that we want when it comes to the Mass being sacred? I would suggest strongly yes. what they already do. Try to get to the to the TLM yeah. as, as, as much as they can. To the, the Anglican Ordinariate also yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, we go with the liturgy... The liturgy is God-centered. Yes, that's exactly. This is wonderful. Yes. It's not man-centered. It's right. God-centered. Right. Uh, but I also, I also would say this. Tell me. And I was just telling it on a program the other, the other day. Maybe it was on your program last week. I don't remember. Been. But there was a time when we were traveling. Oh yes, yeah, that's it. We yes. were traveling, right? Did I? Yes. Right. Well, we couldn't, we couldn't attend mass. Right. Drive and our, mass. Yeah. our father took out a missile, and it. we prayed <laughs> the beginning of mass. The, the 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 he he read the epistle mm -hmm. and he read the gospel for that day and that was it wow. <laughs> we we kept went our merry way and I thought that was I thought that was kind of neat yeah I'll years later years later I'm watching Gone with the Wind and there is a scene in the Gone with the Wind which is exactly what we did amazing the 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 the, the, the O'Hara family in Gone with the Wind they're all Irish yeah. Irish Catholics but they're in the South. Well, they would get together on Sunday when there wasn't mass and read the introit, the the, the, wow. the prayers at the foot of the altar, the confidior, and all the way up to the gospel. If if you can't get to mass, certainly do what you can. Look, when I was in Mexico too, we had thousands of Mexicans who came up to the United States. They stopped going to mass. These yeah. men, yeah. 
And the reason they stopped going to mass was they couldn't identify the mass as a Catholic mass. Wow. It didn't seem to them that, they, that this was even their religion. Yeah. I said, well, fine. Take your rosary. And, and these, these were workers, field workers, a lot of them. Take your rosary, re, pray rosary. But also, if you can, get a, get a missile, Spanish missile. Do the, uh, the, the prayers at the foot of the altar, the epistle, and the gospel. And just be quiet for a moment. That's you your it. worship. Right? When we there come, are many ways. There are many ways to be patient absolutely. during this conflict. When we okay. come back, we're going to talk about an article by Cardinal Mueller, but also I want to tell a story about a Chinese family man who was in China, underground church, that I think would be apropos for us today here in America. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. First, my guest. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murr sitting in for Jess Romero. Before I get to this next article, Father, your advice that you gave to families to you know go to the TLM Mass or get to a traditional liturgy where they're centered on worship of God. I wanted to share a story. Maybe you had heard this. A priest friend of mine told it. It wasn't you this time. Usually it's you about Chinese stories. This is a story about a, a young man with his family, and he was in China— and he was a very traditional Catholic. They, they would not compromise with the communists. And they went to mass underground, and they were persecuted for being a Catholic. And then they uh, immigrated to America. And uh, what happened when he got to America was the freedoms, the liberalism that was here, it destroyed his family. The kids didn't uh -huh. practice their faith. And what communism couldn't do, uh, American liberalism undo the faith of his family. He was a daily communicant, and he stopped even going to Mass when he saw, hey, nobody's persecuting me. And so my point there, Father Murr, is this, that we need sacrifice in our life because if we don't have sacrifice, then we take the easy way out. Am I on to something? You're on to exactly what Fulton J. Sheen preached all of his life. The danger of a crossless Christ yeah. and a Christless cross. Mm. Remember? Got it. He talked about the, 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 the separation of Christ from his cross. He yep. said, when you have a cross, when you have a cross without Christ, you have communism, you have dictatorship, you have fascism, yep. you have Nazism, you have strict discipline without any mercy. Right. And when you have Christ without a cross, what do you have? I love this because Sheen said it himself. Yep. He said, you have an effeminate little man who, who, who's not worth anything. Yep, yep, you're right, you're right. This, this is it. Yep. Put them together, put them together, and you have salvation. Separate them, and you have nothing twice. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right, you, you nailed it. All right, Cardinal Mueller says this, and this is um, embarrassing for our church to have this going on. It's scandal, I'm going to be honest with you. Scandal, I remember... Foley, Cardinal Foley, was in charge of evangelization back in the late 90s. And he said, scandal is one of the big obstacles to evangelization. And, well, I'll just tell you right up front, um, it is. And, but we have to also uh, make you know, the reparation for these scandals that are going on in the church, and that's what we do with reparation. 
But I wanted to mention Cardinal Mueller saying that Pope Francis revoked penalties on abusive priests at the request of cardinals. Now, Father, this is like the boys' club. If you're in the boys' club, you can do things that someone else can't do. And Cardinal Mueller's new book contains revelations about possible papal hamstringing of the CDF. That's called the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith in order to prevent convicted priests from being laicized. In this article, uh, he was the former head of the congregation, and then he basically is saying that in his recent book like interview, uh, he says that, uh, well, why don't I just throw it to you? You know the players, Father. You're close to what's going on in Rome. Uh, tell us exactly what, I mean, you haven't read the book. I'm sure you can read it in Italian, but it's not out yet, I think. But he's basically saying that um, he was surprised when he got dismissed. I, I know the circumstances because I read the article that Pope Francis was very upset with him because he was holding the line when it came to discipline in the church. And um, especially when well, we can't have that. Well, right? yeah, that's we the can't point. have that. Yeah, we've got to get rid of him. And so yeah. um, he uh, he said that that uh, when he. Uh, pointed out some of the problems with the sex abuse and, and laid down disciplines. Within hours, sometimes the Pope would intercede and say, the guy's back and being reinstated. In other words, a priest who abused uh, girls that were in the convent in the confessional doing things I don't even want to describe on the radio. you know. And he gets, the congregation says, no, he needs to be out of the priesthood. He needs to you know, get nailed for this. This is unacceptable. And then... The Holy Father has the power. I'm not saying he doesn't. But why would he reinstate someone who did such wicked good deeds? And what Cardinal Mueller is doing is saying, hey, this is what happened. This is the condition Harry, of our church. Harry, yep. this, this, is, this, is what, this is where you go when you have mercy without justice. There you go. You nailed it. Yeah, why not bring it And this back? is exactly it. That's true. You know, yeah, let, let's forgive everything. Well, let, just a minute, just a minute. Uh, Cardinal Cardinal uh, O'Connor of New York, yeah, my dear friend, God bless him, yep. he uh, a lifesaver. Yeah, Cardinal O'Connor had as as his uh, as his motto, uh, "There can be no charity without justice." Yeah, well said. You have to you have to do what's right for charity to exist. You don't. It's not just one or the other. You don't just. For, this is the same thing we were just we just got off this subject. That's of, right. Of, in the confessional, just forgive everything, forgive everything. Well, no, no, it doesn't work that way. Society doesn't work that way because God didn't make man that way because God isn't that way. You know, Father, you just remind me what Cardinal, uh, the Cardinal of Chicago, oh, his name just uh, George, Cardinal George said, he said, yes, I hate oh. that song that says all are welcomed. No, yeah, all are welcomed under Christ's conditions. In other words, right. not because, yes. you know, you're just who you are. You want to be a fornicator, adulterer, active homosexual. You're all welcomed to convert. In other words, I was just, away I, from Gary, I was just I was just talking to I was just talking to some people the other day who came uh, who came to visit. Yes. Uh, our Lord. To recruit. Gave three conditions. Okay. He said, I promise you, I promise you. Mm -hmm. Persecution. Prison and death. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. I, Why don't you imagine that? IBM? I, imagine IBM promoting itself. Listen, we need new employees. We promise you prison 
persecution and death. But you know what, right? Father? That's what how the church grew with that approach. Yes, and let, absolutely. Let's be honest about absolutely. it. The other approach— But, but can, you imagine, can you imagine for one moment yeah. the, the people that you're talking about yeah. following a Christ who promises that? No. No way. They're, pro they're following a Christ of their own creation. Yeah. It's a cushy job. Yeah. And, and Fulton J. Sheen said this. The reason they don't leave, many of them don't leave, is because they found themselves a wonderful little niche cushy. in a little haven. You got Very it. Very cushy. Yeah. Right? This is it. They're not, they're, not, they're not here for the long run or for the persecutions or for anything else. And let's look at the fruit of these two approaches. Can you tell me about In other words, the fruit of sacrifice— the church is growing in the persecuted areas. The church that wants the the, the nice, you know, uh, idea that you don't need to repent. You can just believe, and whatever you want to believe, everybody's going to be fine. You know, you leave me alone, I'll be fine. It's my my truth. What's happening to the church with that approach? We've lost. Well, it's it's like, it's it's like it's like I've said to many many Protestants when when, when they've come to me with questions. I don't go out looking for them, but when they come to me and they ask, I tell them the truth. Sure. I said, I don't, I don't know why you're looking for a church or why you belong to a church. Just take your Bible and go on your own. Yep. Right? Yep. Well, I don't know why. I don't know why we have these people in our church. I don't understand it. Go well, home. Well, get, get, go home. <laughs> well, I'll give you an example. The church in, in um, Germany gets paid by the government, as you know. And I worked in I worked in the Mercedes Benz factory, and part of my salary I didn't know when I was a student went sure okay. went to the uh, I, I worked at the Mercedes Benz factory, and I also was I also was the bartender at the American military base. <laughs> but father, you gotta well, let's don't get too far. But, but, you, but part of my salary part of my yeah. salary was taken was taken uh, by by in taxes to the church, right. and I said, well, what if I what if I don't declare that I'm Catholic? Well, then it'll go to the Protestant church, the Lutherans. I said, well, what if I, I I have no religion? Then it goes to the state welfare. You're going to pay that tax anyway. Yeah, yeah, so, that's exactly yes. right. But my point yeah. is, when you have a, a, a cardinal in Germany making $220,000 equivalent to our dollars a year, it seems, why would you want to turn away from that job? I mean, that's just uh, way too much. Oh, this is this is pretty good, Father. Richard just brought this in. I wanted to get your take. Jesus didn't eat with sinners and tax collectors because he wanted to appeal to appear inclusive, tolerant, and accepting. He ate with them to call them to change and fruitful life, change of a fruitful life, to die to self and to live for him. He called Absolutely. his call is transformation of life, not affirmation of identity. Whoever exactly. said that, that's well said. Well what is, what is what does Christ say to everybody whose sins he forgives? Mm -hmm. Go and Go sin, sin no, no more. more. Change course. And you know what? Yeah. Isn't that what the that, that metanoia? That it's a, cha a yes. change. That in other words, we want to have that metanoia. How do we? How do we change? It's not doing my will. It's doing God's will. And this is God right is. when we talked about the Our Father earlier in the show. Wow, Father Charles Mercer. I want to give Father. He doesn't like it, but I'm going to do it. Father, how can people pick up some of the books that you've published over the years? Go to that horrible monster called Amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs> or you can pick it on, uh, some of them are up on our website, vmpr.org. Your website and also on, also on my website. And your, uh, yeah, give us your website. Yep, Charles Murray. Yeah. Good. When we come thank, back. Thank you, thank you. Oh, I want to, uh, you know what, Father? People need good books. Remember, it was St. Alphonsus Liguori. 
a doctor of the church said, only God knows how much good can come from one holy book. I want just to make an announcement right now that maybe you hadn't heard, but myself and my wife and Richard, we're going to be teaching convert courses for the Anglican Ordinariate here, six to 12-week courses where people will take the Baltimore Catechism, number four, Father, the big thick one from Tan. Excellent. Excellent. And Fulton Sheen's yep. Life is Worth Living as our sources for our teaching. And people will become Catholic not in two years, but between six and 12 weeks, depending on what we get on this course, where now you can send your folks to the Sacred Heart Chapel here at Our Lady of Grace, I should say, the Anglican Ordinariate. We will now have classes for converts where people are going to get good, solid teachings. Father, you're probably aware, but 80% of the converts in the RCIA program after five years are not practicing their faith. Really? Yeah. Yes. Why? Yeah. Because they weren't taught the faith. They just say, oh, yeah, That's right. have a pizza, That's have right. some ice That's cream. Right. Not here. We're going to teach them the real teachings using the Baltimore Terry, Catechism. Terry, let, let, me, let me add one other book to your curriculum. Please do. The Life of Christ by Fulton J. I've got that actually given away when, on our show. I'm, I'm telling you, for Wait, a convert, good idea. When, I was, when I was teaching in New York, yeah. it, was, it was The Life of Christ and the Catechism. Well, that's what I'm going to use because I've got it here yeah. at vmpr.org. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on The Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to The Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse will be back tomorrow. My phone is burning up. People want to see the uh, see if we're going to put these classes online so that they can pass them on to people. You know what? Pick up your own Baltimore Catechism. I'm going to give you the Life of Christ uh, recordings for free. It's on our website for a download. Uh, but I, yeah, thanks for your encouraging words, everybody who's texting me saying, man, this is great news. Now, the reason the Anglican Ordinary, just for those who are saying, why can they do it in six to 12 weeks to become Catholic? It's because that's how it used to be. <laughs> I mean, in other words, right. uh, the Anglican Ordinary have their own process. They don't follow the, uh, the, the uh, American bishops here. They have their own bishop, Bishop Lopes here in Houston. And so they have their own approach to converts, and so they just do instructions, 6 to 12 weeks. They don't think you need to wait two years to you know, study the faith. So they're going to do a hard course, and they're going to give it to us to do. And I think that, uh, yeah, we're going to probably have a, a good uh, amount of people wanting to come. But I guarantee it, we're going to keep track of all you folks who come and become Catholic and see what kind of percentage are Catholic years later. Because I'm convinced, Father Murr, that good catechesis is one of the elements that for the last 50 years hasn't been taught. And I think that's one of the reasons people leave, because they never knew the person of Christ and the teachings of his church. Well, Terry, it worked for you and for me, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well said. Yeah. 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 So there you go. Now, this is a, another topic that the Cardinal Mueller is bringing up, and he's actually bringing something up that another great saint St. Robert Bellarmine brought it up. He's a doctor of the church, so I feel a little comfortable, but it's an uncomfortable situation where he says a pope would automatically lose his office if he became a heretic. Interesting teaching from one of the doctors of the church, Father St. Robert Bellarmine. And here's what, the Holy, here's what a Cardinal Mueller said in a recent interview 
that a pope loses his office if he becomes a heretic if the contradiction to the relevant and dogmatic teachings of the church is evident. Mueller made these remarks about a pope possibly losing his office while answering questions about papal infallibility. And it was published in a German Catholic newspaper. And um, he said, dogmatic declarations may have the quality of infallibility if, they are, if their content derives from sacred scripture and apostolic tradition of the word of God. And if they are formally presented to be believed, this is really important, believed by the proper authority of the magisterium of the pope and the bishops with the assistance of the Holy Spirit as a truth revealed by God, the German cardinal explained. He said, however, a new public revelation they, the pope or the bishops, do not accept as pertaining to a divine deposit of faith. And that's taken from Lumen Gentium, paragraph 25. Now, here's the question, Father Murr, and you know, you're not in management, you're in sales too, like me, but we can at least say in an extreme case, a pope could become a heretic as a private person and thus automatically lose his office if the contradiction of the revelation, the dogmatic teaching of the church is evident, what Cardinal said. Now, I just want to get your take because he, he said this position that the Pope can become a heretic and lose his office is held by St. Robert Bellarmine, a doctor of the church, who wrote about these issues in a second book of his work. And according to Bellarmine, the Pope, who is manifestly a heretic, ceases by himself to be the Pope and head in the same way and ceases to be a Christian and a member of the body of the church. And for this reason, he can be judged and punished by the church. Now, I want to just throw something back at you, Father. We've had popes where they dug the pope up, who was a heretic, put him on a chair. You remember the dude? And they condemned him <laughs> and then threw him back in the yes. river, the Rhine. Or, you know, I mean, yes. so we've, yes. we've been here before. But my question to you is, <clears throat> Cardinal Mueller's bringing this up. It seems to me that the cardinals would have to be on the same page to acknowledge that if a pope did this, that who, you know, how does this process, because we've, I mean, this is not in our lifetime ever happened. Your thoughts? No, but it could happen. And why could it happen? Basically because God gave us free will, right? Yeah, yeah that's true. That's the key. We can, we can use it. We can use it one way or the other. Yep. Yep. Use it or abuse it. And, and no one is, is in this life is never not free. We're free until three hours after we've stopped breathing. That's my position. If a pope, <laughs> if a pope, if a pope makes makes a, a, a claim that is against the faith, against the deposit of faith, against teaching doctrine uh, and dogma, uh, yes, he can be he can be called and rightfully so a heretic, mm -hmm. and he would lose his office. Now, how they would go about that would be left up to people who are in a much higher position in the church than I. Amen. The, the, the cardinals, and I'm very thankful that I don't have that responsibility. Yeah. But I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. If it happens, if something like that would happen, and they don't take their responsibility, Ooh. I wouldn't want to be them either. Right. I wouldn't want to be there in their exit interview, that's for sure. Right. Mueller mentioned right. the betrayal of Judas and the denial of Jesus uh, of, of a denial of Jesus by St. Peter before the Passion is proof that the church officials in history and present can fall and abuse their office selfishly or narrowly minded. And I love what he says, the best way the faithful can support the Pope and the bishops is through our prayers. Mueller stated, referencing Jesus Christ's words directed at Peter, and our Lord said, Simon, Simon, 
Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thou faith may not, and thou being once converted, confirm thy brethren. You see, that's where I, that was from Luke chapter 22, verse 31 to 32. Every rosary I pray, Father, this is what I tell people to say with the Our Father, Hail Mary, and the Glory Be, praying for the Pope. This is what I say. Let's pray for the Pope to confirm us in our faith. Not for his intentions. You see what I just did? To confirm us in our faith. Because as the Bible states, that's what he's supposed to be doing. Read Luke chapter 20. That's his job. That yeah. is his job. Yeah. That's and so right. why not pray that he does his job in confirming us in confirming us in our faith? And and pray that he does it well. Yes, yes. Well, of course. But but this idea of praying for his intentions, I, I, I've changed it. Now, some people get mad when I'm in front of praying a, a rosary with people. Why did you do that? Because the Pope needs our prayers. That's why. All right, Father, yes, we got a couple minutes left. Again, talking about uh, leadership in our church, and you've seen weakness over the years, but you've also been around cardinals. Can you tell us uh, some stories at the end about how some cardinals, I remember a cardinal, um, who was the one that uh, you were very close to with? Um, with Cardinal uh, Gagnon. Cardinal Gagnon, what he told you regarding the problems of Freemasonry entering the church, things like that, because you wrote a book on this, and I want to encourage people to pick it up. But he gave you some advice when we're dealing with the clergy. What was that advice, Father? Do you remember? I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, well, first of all, he did a, he did a three year investigation. That's right on the on the Roman Curia. Yep, the Pope's government. Three years it took him from 1975 to 1978, mm -hmm. and his focus was precisely on on Freemasonry. Yes. And and he also discovered at least at least one major cardinal who was in charge of the congregation for bishops who made all the bishops in the world. Wow! Who was a who was a member of, of the of the Masonic Lodge of Can Italy? Can you imagine the effects of that on the church? Yes. Well, it's still we're still we're still suffering. Reaping it. Those. We're still reaping it. Yes. We still are. We Horrible. still are. Well, uh, it's and, a, it's, mm -hmm. and so people can pick that book up. But this is this is the thing. You remember also the, a parable that our Lord gave about the the good seed growing up surrounded by weeds. Yes, of course. They said, "What should we do? Should we go and pull all the weeds out?" And he said, "Don't do that because you might pull up the good the, the good plants also." Right. Wait till wait till the day of harvest. Wait for judgment day. Then there'll be a separation. Right. That's yep. what we have to do. So we, in the church, we've got the good and the bad. Yeah. Uh, the Lord sends his son to, to shine on the just and on the unjust. It rains on the, on the just and on the unjust. Right? This is it. We have to live with, with all sorts. But we're, we're also to be stronger in our faith and continue on loving and knowing Christ. This is why I'm telling you that the life of Christ, I yeah. tell you, you know this, yes. I'm, I'm preaching to the no, choir. Hit it, hit it. The Life of Christ by Fulton J. Sheen, to me, is one of the one of the finest pieces of literature you can get a hold of. To what? To know Jesus Christ, to know his personality, yeah. to know his will, to know who he really was. Fantastic. Well, your advice for the class, what we can do is we can give people that as a part of their formation, listening to the Life of Christ and getting to know the person of Christ. I agree, nothing's better. That's why I put it on our website as a download for people, but we can give that away to the future converts because when you know the person of Christ and you know his teaching, 
it seems to me, and we have free will. The only value in saying yes is you can you can say no. But when you engage in the intimacy of prayer with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and you know him, I believe that the world, the devil, and the flesh don't have a chance against you. Why? Because of grace. When, you, when you're living in the state of grace, those graces, those actual graces you have to say no to self and to say yes to Christ, they're there. And that's why I encourage people, they say, in the world we're living in right now, how can you be a good Catholic? Well, the way you be a good Catholic is do the best you can to stay in the state of grace. Because when you're in that state, yes. what else, what can they do to your father, kill you? And you'd, you're in the, you die in the state of grace? That's, that's all. Yeah. They can only kill you. Yeah. And if they kill you, you go. And, and our, 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 Lord said, our Lord said that himself, didn't he? Yep. They can only kill you. They can't take your soul. Right. Oh, so so don't worry about it. And, and I think that's what we need to do right now. Focus on personal holiness and living in the presence of God. This is the key to overcome the world, the devil, and the flesh. And we just, I mean, we live in a culture right now where pornography is rampant. Uh, the killing of innocent babies are rampant. This is the world we live in. How do we overcome it? through our prayers and our sacrifices, and through our relationship with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, through prayer. This is why I want to encourage everybody to pray the daily rosary, where we meditate on these great mysteries of Christ's life. Why? Because Our Lady of Fatima said it well, that this is the, Our Lady's peace plan from Fatima. Bishop, uh, excuse me, I'm going to say Bishop Strickland. No, Father Charles Murr has been my guest. Father, what state should we be living in? The state of grace, for goodness sake. Yeah, for goodness sake. I love that answer. Jesse would have said the same thing, folks. Remember, not even for a minute. This is Lent. What a great time to get to confession. And I would say this. Once a month, at the minimum, going to confession. I go a couple times a month because I'm a big sinner. But at least if you haven't gone in a month, you know what? Get your, you know what? And get in the box, would you? Yeah, do it for me. Our Lady said at Fatima, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. we got our bishops, our priests. We've got the Holy Father. We've got our parish priests, everyone. Let's pray for those conversion of people through offering up our sacrifices, our daily duty. These are the key to living a life according to God. And I want to thank Father Charles Murray for taking time out of his busy schedule. And I mean it. He's all over on the air with other stations, and he should do that. And I thank him for... Joining us, Terry, right here. Terry, for you, the world. <laughs> God bless you, Father.